This one time at game, we ran last night, and it was fun. It and was fun? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're doing a, a special episode this week that is all about uh, questions for us. We're doing a live Q&A on Facebook, so things are going to be a little different. The formatting is going to be a little different. So we're going to just go ahead and jump right in by first noting that this is the Honor Roll Podcast. The only podcast that helps you... Level up your role-playing game. Finish each other's sentences. Uh, kind of what sa- we do. Interrupt I Carrie. I was going to say sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Normally we have show notes, we have but show we're notes all over the place because we got to watch the Facebook Live. That's right. And um, I don't have a computer right now, so Also, they scan the Navy in. That's a question to may ask. Yeah, what? but if they don't know what the question is... Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, we're recording now. That's right. We are. Jason made this big deal. He was like, we have to say the <laughs> questions before we answer anything that's because true. of the podcast. Whatever you do, make sure you, you say the question I was, first. You were to. supposed to remind me. You, you, I don't even have a screen in front of me to read from, so you looked at me and went, Scandinavian. <laughs> what? Okay, so, <laughs> tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> We're not better gamers than you. We just all have different experiences to share, and maybe we can help you have more fun at your game. Because the only way to win at a role-playing game is, is to, to have, have fun. fun. There you go. I'm right. Ryan. But, but we didn't get to do it. Hold on. I want to do it. Roll it. Do it. Okay. We're supposed to roll for initiative. We're not ready to roll for initiative We, we roll for initiative after the story. Oh, that's right. Go ahead. Okay. Is this your guys' first podcast? It feels like it every time. I'm very excited. Go. I've never got it. Snake eyes. <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm the curmudgeon. Joining me as always is, of course, Carrie the legend. That's me. And Jason the favorite. And also the one who's having the most laptop trouble today. That's yeah, well, okay, yes. <laughs> I will give you that. Yeah. So for those of you joining us, you can find us at the honorrollpodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Uh, we're also on Twitter at honorrollpodcast. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash honorrollpodcasts. Or you can email us at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. And of course, lastly, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast. I'm noticing a theme. That's right. We were, yeah, we've kind of branded ourselves. Yeah. I, hope, yeah. I hope this doesn't end up sucking. Hello, nine people on Facebook Live. We're going to tell you guys and then everyone else listening to the podcast about our Patreon. That's right. So if you become a patron on Patreon for the Honor Roll Podcast, uh, not only do you get the the beautiful feeling of warmth inside your gullet, all about how you are keeping us on the air, but you also can get a shout out here on the podcast. And the first up of those people is Cameron Pruitt. That's right. Yay! And then we have Lost Colonies with Joe. That's right. Yeah. Hopefully he makes it back on here. He was there for a second earlier, wasn't he? I yeah. think they need to totally rename the name of that LARP. It should be Lost Colonies with Joe. With, with Joe. Joe. Featuring Joe Hines. That's right. Uh-oh. We also have Ryan Martin. 
That's right, featuring Ryan Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Stevens, who is here with us. That's right, and yeah, Brian yeah. Fox, who is not, because I probably should have shared that to his page. Yeah. And that then we now. have he, she, she who shall not be named. She who shall she not shall, be shall named. Not, shall, shall, shall. She is the cobalt who killed her kids with a crossblade. <sighs> That's a good I'm one. So I like that. Yeah. In you. If you want a shout-out, we'd love to give you one, and you can get one by helping us keep the show on the air and be, become a patron at patreon.com slash... On a roll podcast. So when last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were right here, sitting here, doing here, at here, recording a podcast. That's right. <laughs> but we were not Facebook living at the time. That's right no. as well. All right. Um, so anyway, I don't know if there's anything new uh, with you guys, but I will say this. I want to share this one thing, and then we're going to jump into Q&As. So last night we ran our vampire LARP. The penultimate adventure. It was the penultimate adventurer. I think we had a really good group, too. Well, okay. so literally last night was our penultimate game. Right. The the Chronicle, the, the organization that we're a part of, Underground Theater, is coming. To, the vampire story is coming to an end. They're doing a reset, so it'll mm-hmm. start again in January. So there's only like a couple months left. And so we decided our last game is going to be in October. And so last night was our second to the last game. And... I learned something about running uh, a LARP. What was that, night. Ryan? Run every game like it's your second to last. <laughs> we did have because like, it was pretty uh, awesome. For for what do we run for about four hours? And we had three hours and forty five minutes worth of plot planned. Right, it felt that way. Yeah, and people still had a ton of time to like go off and do their own plotting and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I this is the first time as a LARP storyteller that I've ever gotten to finish a, a game, like That's end awesome. the game off. Yeah. Because um, usually they just kind of taper off and then we look around and everyone goes, eh, let's just stop just playing. You know, or, or something happens and everyone, you know, you just stop. That's right. Um, so this is the first time I've gotten to be like, we're wrapping up all of these plots. And I think we're going to wrap up like 90% of the stuff. I do too. Yeah, I do it's going to be cool. I, I played probably six different NPCs last night. It was crazy. It was. A, I, I'm hearing that too, right? Yeah, I know. What it is. The, the cooling fan on my laptop is running. Oh, and okay. normally you can't hear it because of the microphone positioning. But today you can. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, Today is. you can it because could also be. uh, the mic. No, it's, no, it's me. It's, it's, it's me. definitely just yours because yeah. mine can be pretty loud too. No. Okay. First question is from Josh Heath. Can people hang out with you at an upcoming convention of any type, say in Atlantic City? Hint, hmm. hint, hint, hint. Hmm. Well, we will be doing an episode from High Level Games Convention, right? That's right. You can find High Level Games uh, information about that at hlgcon.com, right? That's right. Um, yeah. in, in, or you can call. Josh Heath at, at area code. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I should have a table there too, right? That's the plan. That the plan is for me to have a table, so I'll have artwork and I'll have the uh, the much talked about coloring book there. Wow, mm-hmm. you're gonna have physical copies. In right? theory, that's that's Ooh. the hope. That's the plan. Okay, so Travis Gibb asks. He says, "What role playing game did you feel was amazing back in the day, uh, but you play it now and it just doesn't have the same zing?" Uh, his example was, he says, he will, he loved Advanced D&D, but now that there are all these more editions, uh, the old ones just don't really hold up. How do you feel about that, Ryan? Um, I feel like the old ones don't really hold up. Also, also that Coke will be fine. We're live! Oh, we're live! <laughs> all right, Ryan's going to so, go get let a... Let me ask you this, Carrie, because you've talked a lot about the time that you bought the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Have you ever actually gotten to play it? No. 
So you have no idea if it holds I, up or not. <laughs> I really don't know. You know what? I will we say We need this. to do that episode. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just the idea that you bought this and never got to play it. I've, I've had, it is the first role-playing book I've ever had, and I've never actually gotten to play with it. Except for the one time when I tried to run it without actually understanding what role-playing games were. That's and, everybody's first time. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that was a mess. But um, I will actually say probably, that, and a lot of people are going to boo and hiss me when I say this, Shadowrun. Really? Yeah. Is it the old editions or yeah, just well, like, the, everything? The problem with Shadowrun is it's always the same plot. Yeah, it is. is it, does that get I mean, old for you? There, and there is something comforting about that. Right. But after a while, you're like, of course you're going to get betrayed by the guy who hired you. This that's was going to be a milk run. <laughs> you know, like, it, that's that's just what happens. Um, and, and so, like, sometimes I'm always like, oh, I, I look at Shadowrun with these rose-tinted glasses. But then when I take them off, I'm like, eh. Oh, look, another uh, run where I've been yeah. betrayed. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, so, like, I think Shadowrun is really fun short term. I don't okay. know that Shadowrun would be, like, I don't know how a long-term Shadowrun campaign would feel. So you want a Shadowrun game in which they do not always embrace the tropes super closely. I, I think it's important to mix it up. I think sometimes okay. you need to and sometimes you don't. You can't be... Surprisingly betrayed if you're getting betrayed every time. Yeah, you're the, of course. <laughs> of course they're betraying me. That's what they that's interesting. do. So that's for me anyway. That's that's kind of the like the disappointing when I really think about it because I want to love Shadowrun. Maybe we just need to run a Shadowrun game in which there's never, never any betrayal. Everybody's ever, super ever, nice. Ever, <laughs> um, And I also know that part of the reason that I have such a rose-tinted glasses with uh, Shadowrun is because... Back in the day, um, I used to be able to go to the FASA uh, company in Chicago. Oh, I, that's I had cool. I had some. You friends. used to go hang out there. I used to. I mean, not a lot. I was there about three or four times, but um, I, I knew a bunch of the artists. That is cool. That, they had some yeah. great art. Yeah, they did. Okay, so uh, Marty is asking. She said she had a friend that has trouble separating our outer character friendship with, with maybe. An advisory in game. How do I fix it? I think what she's trying to say is an adversity. Like yes, a, yes, that's what it is. Uh, probably get autocorrected. I, I hate autocorrect. <laughs> oh, so it can be difficult to compete with people that are your close friends. Mm-hmm. However, the best competitions you'll ever have are with your close friends because you trust them. So I think that uh, you know we always say communication is the first step yeah, to every problem. Absolutely. Uh, you just have to talk to them and say, "Hey, I've really enjoyed competing with you." And make that very clear that that's what you're uh, after right now. Also, I I found personally that the the biggest thing that you can do that will harm an out-of-character friendship is if you gloat about what you did in character. Oh, you can never gloat. But I've never known Marty to be guilty of that. But it's a very easy trap. But I'm just saying in general for, uh, you know, not just for, that's not just for Marty. That's just in general. Like, you know, if you have, you know, if you and I... (laughs) Of right. our characters, you know, butted heads. If you walked up and went, that was so cool the way I got your character killed. I got you killed last night. Oh. Uh, that's not, you know, instead you go, you know, that was an amazing scene. You know, you made me, you know, really right. think and, you know, I had to go outside the box. And mm-hmm. thank you for giving me that that scene. That's you awesome. know, that moment, that role play with you. Um, and I, I think if you can include people in the moment. Is like, you know, we we created this good thing. I'm also going to... Now, I'm going to be the curmudgeon and, yeah. and hit the opposite end of that. Sure, okay? go for it. 
there are some people that are just not capable of being an adversary in-game and being a friend out of game. Yes, that is true, too. And if you come up against one of those people after you have done the things Carrie and Jason talked about and it's still not working out, maybe they really aren't the kind of friend you want. And, And it may be time to just accept that they are someone you game with and you're friendly with them, but but maybe you can't be friends as long as your characters are adversaries. And maybe if you value the friendship more than the game, maybe that means you change your character. Are you saying you have to check your investment? I think you have to check your investment. <laughs> what? Uh, Josh Heath asking about the UT reset and what we're going to be playing. Um, I <laughs> Not think- UT. Yeah. <laughs> I think no. we're largely going to be taking a break. Oh, my gosh. We got a whole bunch of loves. <laughs> Everybody clicked love when I said that. We did have one They're hate. Like, oh, thank, thank God. I'm, people won't be. We don't have to role play with I'm, them anymore. I'm trying to figure if they if they are happy that uh, like, pe- are, yay, people are quitting UT. Or are they saying, yay, we don't have to role play. With I those, think that's probably those more. Well, a little anymore. of both, it yeah, looks a like. A little bit of both. <laughs> no, um, I I think that uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break just to kind of... We've been doing this a long time. Right. And I'm going to be honest, vampire isn't the genre that's like in my heart of hearts. That's right. And so it's really difficult, especially with the newer changes in the By Night Studios book, because uh, they've taken they they've taken a couple steps away from the stuff that I did like. About you like the, the street level? Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's way different. And it's more of a political game now. Yeah, it's been it, drifting that way for a while, but they has. definitely firmly divided it. it. Um, and, and so uh, I think I'm going to take a little bit of a break from Vampire. Um, and I'm very much not a Sabat player at all. Like that's oh, just, the um, Roy's going to be running a. Camarilla game. No, he's going to be running an independent game probably yes. instead. That's yes. right. You were there. I was there. <laughs> That's okay, though. Yeah, no, Roy, Roy is uh, going to be picking up, I think they said in maybe January. Yep. Whenever, whenever, whenever the, the new, is. Yeah, the yeah. reset is, and it's going to be an independent game. So I may take a little time, and then um, maybe I'll... Raph knows. Oh, no, I've done that. <laughs> um, and I don't know, like, if, if I'm doing something independent, I, I may... Uh, maybe may, different. Maybe I'll do a, a follower of set. I've never done that before. Ooh, we could do a set at Temple. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> what about you, Ryan? I have no idea what I'm going to play after the reset. Because here's... The truth is, um, there are some people in the org that mm-hmm. have really made playing there not fun for me. So you're going to take and a step so away for a while? I think I will continue to play the werewolf game that we play in. Mm-hmm. We have a good time. Because uh, we have a good time. And one of the nice things... <laughs> One of my favorite things about Werewolf in UT is the thing that most everyone else complains about the most, which is that uh, national plot's kind of non-existent, which means I really only have to roleplay with the people that I like that are in the game with me. Well, you like local plots usually anyway. You're right. more of a local player. You just travel because you enjoy going to that stuff. I am. But I've, I've had some, some players in UT that I've, that I've had some issues with that I just I don't really want to you interact with, with them it? anymore. And... Um, uh, and in, even though they keep poking me to try and interact with me, I, I just, I'm not interested. It's not fun for me, and I'm yeah. checking my investment there. Okay. Um, so, what you're going to discover were... now that we're Facebook living is just how much I edit Jason interrupting us out of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there is a shadow run that's powered by the apocalypse called Sprawl. Yeah. So we might try that sometime, okay. too. Okay. You know, I, I don't dislike Shadowrun. I actually really love... The idea Shadowrun, but it's also a little bit like, 
uh, high, high school sweetheart love? Where when you look back and you start going, well, maybe I'm just remembering how sweet it was because it was 20 years ago. Right. That's true. Drew, years, Drew's suggesting years. we play Blades in the Dark. That's supposed to be great. Ashley Rayburn things about it. Yeah. is really like that. Uh, you know, the truth is, as far as World of Darkness goes, I think I'm just at a point in my life where maybe the World of Darkness is not the game that I enjoy playing sure. anymore. Um, I think that it's really gone in a direction that I find to be a little immature as opposed to uh, cutting edge. And, uh, and, and when, when you create a game that is, is nestled in so much, uh, you know, edgy content, it, it tends to attract a lot of bad people. And, and I think that maybe, you know, maybe I just don't want to play something else. Or so maybe you just need a there's, break. There's a reason why so many people have moved from World of Darkness to Urban Shadows. And it's, I think okay. it's because a lot of people are, feel kind of the same way I am. And so, Okay, Drew's asking a question about how do we make a vampire game more street level? What makes it more street level? Okay, I believe, this is my opinion, that um, it has to be an independent game. You can't be part of an org. As soon as you're part of an org, you have all these way powerful PCs and NPCs. I think everyone has to be very high gen, like 13th, 14th gen. You're more about what's literally happening on the street. Like, it's a big deal when you have to see the prince. Instead mm-hmm. of, like, in a lot of these org games where, you know, everybody has 300 status or they, um, you know, well, I hold boons over this bazillion people. Like it, it's it's much more like a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. You know, That's the the big difference. I think it's important to note that most of our current World of Darkness playing is in LARP, mm-hmm. and so right. so there is a difference there when you play. Uh, werewolf is always the the easiest example. In in a werewolf tabletop game, you play a pack going right. out and doing missions because your your elders have sent you out to do stuff. And when you play a werewolf LARP, you play everybody who are, is, is at home the at the sept, and there is politics and stuff. And the same is true in Vampire. You're a coterie out doing stuff because your <laughs> elders said so. And in a LARP, you're you're playing you know in the the Elysium trying to, to kill everybody to get to the top. Yeah, I also think, uh, for, for me, with World of Darkness stuff, is just that, you know, I'm old. <laughs> and so you're getting I'm, a little burned out on I'm it? I'm getting, well, a little burned out on it. And, you know, with being a mother now, I don't necessarily like for there to always just be bad things happening. Or, like, to feel like you can't make something good happen. Like, sometimes I want to kill the dragon and save the princess. You want to feel like you've made a difference, too. Yeah, because yeah, you know what? I also think, though, that by playing positive characters, and I don't mean, like, the characters have to be, like, sunshine and lollipops, but I mean doing good things. You know, we've talked about this when we were talking about, like, playing an all-evil campaign in D&D. That, like, if if you encourage people to do good things, that they're a little bit of a better person. Because they're thinking, you know, you think like your character. You put that hat on, you know. And if you're always putting a hat on of someone who's evil and does bad things... You think that you begin to integrate that? A li- you know, I'm not saying, like, people that play Sabat or whatever are bad guys, bad people. You're but I'm saying... A- it doesn't. It does influence you. Okay. When I was, I think more than influence you. What it does is it attracts bad players, though. It attracts sometimes, sometimes people who are not good who like to play. 
one of the things about Vampire and the World of Darkness that made it so cutting edge when it came out in the early 90s was this is the first game ever where you are playing the monsters. You know, right. you, you are in a world that can't win. The, the mm-hmm. world is dark. And that was... Um, it was unique. It had never been done yeah, before. It fair. was part of why why it was so popular. Um, now, you know, the idea of uh, of an antagonist as a hero, the anti-hero sort of thing, uh, it's in movies all the time now. It's on TV all the time now. You know, Now we have Breaking Bads and we have The Sopranos and we didn't yeah. have those things back yeah. then. And so the thing that made Vampire unique now just feels childish to me. Okay, so we got a few more questions that we can go through, and a couple of comments I'd like to bring up. Some uh, Ollie Mack said, "Vampire has always been too political. Would love more gothic hammer horror vampire. That could be fun." Fun. Yeah. Uh, Sean Hicks is asking, "What experience or moment in a role playing game made you realize it was going to be a long term hobby?" Uh, For me, it's when I went to a a Boffer LARP and I dreamed about it for every every event. I would dream about it for like the next three days. Okay. And then I was like, "Well, this is. I guess this is what I'm doing now." Uh, oh, that's a that's a good question. For me, it was when I married uh, my LARP storyteller. <laughs> We've got another quick question. Or J- quick you're not allowed to answer the the question, Carrie. Uh, no, I just I'm want not. to put a nope. couple of these comments out real go quick. Go on, it's okay. Go on. Yeah, uh, someone is talking about uh, Bupkis. I don't remember your real name. I know you changed it recently on Facebook. Uh, I love the political stuff in Werewolf, um, and they're asking what we feel about Scion, the upcoming second edition. And I think you can speak for everybody when they say. We didn't read the first edition. We just missed it. It happens. There's <laughs> it a lot of cool. games so, out of there, yeah. out there, and there's a lot of, yeah. I don't, you know. And I'm, I will admit this, guys. These two are really good about reading like all these articles online, and they always share links with me. And I'm like, I don't want to read yeah. about a game. I just want to play the game. That's also true. Know. Quick, Carrie, what's what? the thing that hooked you? Um. I started LARPing about the same time I started doing Rocky Horror Picture Show. So costumes were a huge deal for me. Like like being able to put yeah. on any kind of costume and suddenly I was something different. And I could experience different things. And then I could take that off and go back to being Carrie, the nerdy senior in high school that, you know, was repressed and nobody looked at. Oh, and and awesome. so, like, you know, that it, it wasn't a single thing. It was kind of a bunch of stuff that all happened at once for me. Ashley Rayburn has noted that the niche that Vampire the Masquerade used to fill is now filled mostly by indie games. So. I think that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Urban Shadows is, is a big one of those. Mm-hmm. There's a question about what board game would you f- want to play to fill the role-playing itch? And Monopoly. Monopoly. No, no. Uh, Sean Hicks mentioned Gloomhaven, and it's super popular. It's also a little expensive, but everybody I know that's bought it has loved it. Okay. It's probably more expensive than I'm going to buy, but it's it's kind of like one of those Dungeon Explorer games, but there's some, a bunch of role-play elements, too. It's supposed to be very good. All right. If I, when I really want the LARP feel, it's Connect 4. <laughs> All the way. Oh, well, we used LARP to play Stream Connect it was, 4. It usually involved fighting. Right. <laughs> I'll be honest. You know what? My... I don't play a lot of board games that have uh, a role-playing feel, but there is the one that I would say it, that is in my house the most that does that is a game called Snake Oil. Yes. Um, it's, oh, that's the one. Yeah. Snake Oil is a little bit like uh, Apples to Apples in that uh, it's more of a card-based game, and everybody everybody plays a Snake Oil salesman. Basically, you're a con artist trying to sell a product, right. and you have to combine two cards in your hand to make a product, and the cards will be like, adju- they're adjectives and nouns, uh, and then the 
the person who is the judge each round, they draw a card that says what they are, you know, what kind of customer they are. So you might draw a card and it says you're the cheerleader. And then Carrie will have <laughs> cards in her hand and she has to sell a, uh, um, you know, she'll have to sell like a happy dance floor. And so she's going to sell this happy dance floor to the cheerleader uh, and, and try to convince the cheerleader to buy it. And and so I have to role play being a cheerleader, which isn't hard for me. And that's Carrie right. has to role play being a salesperson trying to sell a, a happy dance floor. So and that's that's a lot of fun. We, we actually played that game with uh, Dakota, our daughter, and um, in her best friend's family. And so they got to play in teams because, you know, they're nine. Right. And what, what was it that they, they tried to oh, sell us? they tried to sell us the pleasure couch. <laughs> no joke. My, ni- my nine-year-old with the straightest innocent face who had no idea what she was saying said, said, when you come home from a wrestling match and you're tired, you can just relax on the pleasure couch. It's a couch and it pleasures you. <laughs> It was the funniest, most uncomfortable thing. (laughs) Yeah, not good. So uh, Ashley and Cameron are both recommending some other games. D&D Adventure System. Uh, Hero Quest, which I've played. That's a lot of fun. I've heard of that. I used to play Warhammer Quest a lot. Me and Marty had a a set. And when we had no TV at home Mm -hmm. for a while because we were broke, we played Warhammer Quest because it was something to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Cameron mentions Pandemic Legacy, which I've heard a lot of good things about. Okay. But we, it requires a lot more time sync than playing a role playing game for me. <laughs> uh, so, what else we got? Oh, oh here, Glenn, Glenn just said something. So, cool. I was hooked by this weird Nosferatu character played at Valparaiso University's law library in apartment and in the park in between them. That's, yep. I think, what he was trying that, to say. Yes, yeah, that I'm, is. I did not Glenn, know what I, I do. I, I, uh, I used to LARP with Glenn back in the day. Oh, so that's why I didn't know what any of those things There you go. <laughs> the what? Carrie Drew would like to know, what mushes are you playing and staffing? The only two I am uh, in right now is I'm in a, I run a mush called Lost and Found right now. It is based in the supernatural universe, as in supernatural. Like, yeah, as in the uh, the TV show with Dean and Sam Winchester, but it's set in the 1940s in a small Appalachian town where all these wacky things are happening, and uh, the uh, there is a you know you can play supernatural creatures that are trying to fit in normal, or you can just play regular town folk. Mm-hmm. And um, it's I, I actually out of the two mushes I play I think that's the more clever of them. It's What's also the, the less popular, one? but it's the <laughs> less popular. Well, but historical mushes of any kind are not as popular. You Is have that to the find one that's called Lost and Found. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You have to find someone who not only likes supernatural but who also likes mushing and who likes the 1940s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's it's niche. And, and, and for whatever reason, like people got really weird when we first advertised it. They were like. How dare you set a game in the 1940s when all these terrible things happened? And it's like, I, I get that, but it was like, then don't play. And I'm not running, like, horrible things. I mean, I'm running horrible things because they're supernatural monsters. Right, but it's but, not. But, like, that's the horror of the game there. You know? yeah, well, the game does not take place, you know, on the front lines in Nazi Germany. Yeah, no, right? no. I mean, there is a bad guy Nazi there that no one's figured out yet. It's not a player, though, is it? No, it's an okay. NPC. Um, it's an NPC, and I mean, 
it is known if you go to the wiki, you mm. can read who it is. Like, so you know, if you don't want to interact a, with that storyline, you can just right, avoid exactly, that person. Exactly, but it's great because she's the school teacher. Ah, oh, that's creepy. It's, it's and awesome. possibly relevant to society. What? <laughs> um, and then the other game that I staff for is called Coral Springs, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. You mentioned it earlier. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, and that is a high school superhero mush. Uh, it, it's kind of like Sky High. Yes. A little bit, a lot like Sky High, actually. Uh-huh. Um, Only without Kurt Russell, which pretty much negates any positive <laughs> influence. Oh, no. Um, and so it's it's this academy that everyone, you play a, a superhero, a teenage superhero that's going to school there. That sounds fun. It, it is fun. It is you very like fun. You like to role play in high school environments a lot, don't you? Um, sometimes, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean... The, the the superhero game has a lot of um, parallels to the Harry Potter games that are out there right now. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, and I'm, I'm a big Harry Potter fan, so, I mean, I enjoy that. Um, I don't know, and I'm, I also like coming-of-age stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know. So yeah, Marty has a question about how do you play a mush? Lots of typing. It is lots of typing. That's what, that's um, what Jason said. Yeah, uh, it, it is lots of typing. Um, there, there is a a program that you have to have on your computer, and and there's a bunch of different kinds, and it allows you to uh, log on. Imagine to, it's essentially a chat room. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'm I'm not good with computers. Yeah. So like I'm always like you know you mush. It's sort of like you a mush. chat room, and you type you know. Uh, Bob walks into the room. He looks around. He walks over to the chair and sits down and notices that there's no one else here. You and know. then that that appears on the screen, and then someone else types, Jason enters the room, and he sees Bob. He walks over and says, hi, Bob, how are you? So kind of in execution, it's kind of like a tabletop if game because you're describing all your actions. Kind of. Yeah. And, the, and the truth is, if you were to read a... If you were to read the scene from start to finish, it mm-hmm. would read like... like not professional pros. Right. It's okay. I always, and I, and I hate to say this because people always get a little like ruffled when I say this. It reads like fanfic. Yes, it does. But really, I mean, like. And some fanfic is very that fun what to we're read. All doing? Yeah, like every, absolutely. When we're LARPing or role playing, it's sort of fanficking. Oh, yeah. Whatever the thing is that the subject matter is, like whether it's Dungeons and Dragons or Vampire Lore. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and so, um, and, and there are a lot of mushes out there where you can play like named characters <laughs> like if if there's a regular superhero mush you could be playing superman and batman and you know all mm-hmm. the you know so like you know it, they could be original characters or drew um, has mushed before uh-oh he, he yeah. just he just posted at emit a howling noise <laughs> arises from the darkness. <laughs> there are little commands like that. Like there if you are. type at emit, it will not automatically enter your character's name. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. What Travis, about Travis? Yeah. Travis has asked, have you ever played in an org and saw a game that was really popular, but you couldn't figure out why? And then he used his own, his, his own game as an example. Oh, and he said, no. My game was so popular, but nobody understood why. Okay, so I think the first thing we have to say about this question, Tra- Travis, is uh, your game wasn't that popular. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The truth is I have no idea why your game was so popular. Because <laughs> I, I played in it, and I was like, why the hell is this game so popular, Carrie? And she was like, I don't know, but Travis is dreamy. 
Yeah. And then I was like, oh, oh that's why. It's because everybody thinks Travis is dreamy. Dreamy. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a serious answer to this. And Great. I, think it's I, actually, do, I do too. So It's actually a couple of things. One is geography. For example, in Chattanooga, there's a ton of boffer LARPs and there's a lot of table topping. There's not a whole lot of parlor LARPing in the community. There was a lot of issues in the community about 15 years ago or a little less. It was a unhealthy Yes, community. And even though we had 100 person games all the time at our at various uh, events, everyone very hated one another out of character. There wasn't. There was a lot of that. Well, what it became is a a term that's becoming a little more famous now is nerdball. You had a lot of different coteries that were all organized around uh, taking care of each other, and that was it. And they only played with their friends, and everybody else was an enemy. So that soured a bunch of people on that sort of role play. I think some of it is, uh, again, this is also geography. Uh, Some gaming groups are playing for different reasons. Yes. Um, And this may may even be connected to what Jason was saying. But uh, I always, the example I always think of is when we were back in Chicago, uh, Carrie ran a LARP in Northwest Indiana, and then there was another LARP that was in Wisconsin. And they all, everybody around the Wisconsin game used to laugh and say that Carrie was running a tea party and everyone around Carrie's game would laugh and say that the the people in Wisconsin were growing clave trees. It was a, <laughs> a werewolf game. And and the neither game was bad. In no, fact, they were just different. They were just different. Like the the Wisconsin players and actually strangely enough this is still true of Wisconsin players. Wisconsin plays a very different World of Darkness. Um, they play very aggressive and it's very, very active, very active. Uh, mm-hmm. and they play very, they tend to be very combat heavy. Yes. Um, and, and they also, because of all of those things, uh, that situation always encourages higher, more wonky power levels. Well, because at some point you feel like you have to keep up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, whereas Carrie was running a game that was, that, that was just a little bit more social, mm-hmm. uh, and then a little more, what I Angsty. would say, like sort of normal as far as like combat routes and things. Oh yeah. Uh, and so, so, but the thing is players in each of those games thought that that game was amazing. You know, it's so, some of it is just, is just that like, you know, people, Travis, you had said that your game had a, a high danger level. You had a, a high turnover of characters cause they would die. Cause there was lots of danger in your game. Um, and that's not for everyone. Your, your players loved that. And then there were other players who were like, I don't want to travel to Travis's game because my character will die. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's it's about what the community wants, you know? Um, Lynn also wanted to ask you about mushes again. Where would you find them? Well, it, I mean, literally you can just Google M-U-S-H-E-S. You know, you'll have, and, a good, you'll and, have a big list. And those, yeah, a list will come up. Um, usually it's a good idea if you have a genre you want to play in. Right. And then, you know, you can, if you type Harry Potter mush, a couple will pop up. Um, If you have something specific you'd like to look into, let me know and I can direct you in that way. (laughs) Ashley Rayburn just said that Wisconsin does all gaming differently because it started there. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Shout out Lake Geneva. I'm the just... original mom basement players. Right. <laughs> Travis mentioned the difference between his game and another game that was moder- that was a couple hours away from him, Tampa. Right. Um, the Tampa game was very popular as well as as mm-hmm. Travis's game in Melbourne. 
Um, I think the difference with, with those games, though, is that the Tampa players, with the exception of three or four of them, who most of us would look back on as, and identify as the, the uh, I hate to use the word, the best players, but they were certainly the, the players people liked to inter- interact with the most. Right. Uh, the Tampa game was a bunch of poor college students who never traveled. And so they had a huge player base because they played on a college campus. So it was everybody was already there already, right? Again, and, geography, and <laughs> none of them, yeah, and but none of them traveled to know what games were like elsewhere. And if you don't know what you're, you may or may not be missing, you can't view your game as anything but amazing. Well, I'm going to say that when we first started playing in your version of Werewolf, it was different than the Werewolf. But it was so much better. Oh, my God. No, it was definitely a contrast. I, I learned everything that's... I know from Travis Gibb. <laughs> He's dreaming. <laughs> How come you didn't manage to kill my character then? <laughs> uh, anyway. Didn't I? No, I kept skipping those games. Uh-oh. And you did kill me, but it was because I did something dumb at the very last game you ran. <laughs> You're like, well, you're dead now. I guess you have to run. I'm out. Come <laughs> on. Carrie has this long-standing tradition of the way she gets people to join her ST staff is by killing their character. And then she's like, well, you know, I mean, you could could always just play. Hey, we should have done that with Ryan's character. That would have been worked out way better, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, any other questions? Yeah, we need some more questions. Let's see what else we got here. There's anything we've missed? Hi, Tanya. Yes? Uh, What you're hearing now is the long point of silence between questions that I'll edit out I if know. you listen to this as part of the podcast. <laughs> so exciting. Uh, so I'm going to just go around my room and just tell you the role-playing game books that are in this room. And if one of them spawns some sort of question or comment from the folks, we'll just we'll talk about that. Yeah, sounds All right. great. So, okay, so I'm going to start over here with the very first role-playing game I ever played in, which was the uh, TSR Marvel Superheroes set. Uh, it is the old, fa- they call it Fazrip, or I've heard it called Fazrip system, which is like this big, big percentile chart. Um, is it a die 100? It's a, yeah, you roll, you roll percentile dice, and uh, you get red, green, or yellow for success, mm-hmm. okay, or, or failure. failure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to say something. I'm fascinated by the fact that that's your first game. And whenever we talk about games that have uh, some some sort of gradient in success, you're always like, bah, bah. Well, it, and yet that's what you cut your teeth on. It wasn't exactly a gradient in success, though. Or failure. But, yeah. But it was, uh, I don't know, it was just first. But it's here's why, Jason. It's because if you've never played any other game, you have nothing else to compare it to, and so it's awesome. But you have now. Do you still think that you would enjoy that system now? I, I you know, I don't know. Is that your shadow run? That's our next one. It could one. be my shadow run. Yeah. Hey, we've got a question. What is your favorite licensed RPG, and how well does it capture the IP? Um, you know, I played that game of Serenity, the Serenity tabletop game. Was it game. Firefly or Serenity? I thought there's that, two. Is there two? Ah, which one was the the first one? Because I played it the right first came one out. is whichever one's on the shelf down right below behind you. Whichever one that two, of those you two could it turn is. around. And I look. could turn around. Oh, that's Lazy so much work. So I'm lazy. See, I'm the camera. That's your fault. 
Is that Firefly or Serenity? Serenity. Okay, so Serenity Serenity was first. Okay, and I thought it was perfect. It was great. Uh, It's one of those uh, systems where you can spend, like, edge points or something, and uh, so you could be in a ton of danger all the time and barely escaping by the skin of your teeth. It was a Margaret Weiss production, and I always find Margaret Weiss's stuff to be a little... um, That I mean, I guess that's the. I always find it to be a little. Ugh. <laughs> you feel that way about? I, I felt too. that way about 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 that game, but it was the mechanics and everything. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was. So I you remember, have any... we only played it once, but I really enjoyed it. But I we played, played several it. sessions of it. Yeah, yeah. I think I've played like three sessions too, yeah. and that's it. But it was fun. Mm-hmm. My favorite licensed game was the old Last Unicorn Games edition of Star Trek. Really? I what was that like? It was. So I always find Star Trek to be a little slow, a little tedious, and kind of scientific in nature, right? right? As a genre, and I really felt like the the mechanics were that way as well in that system. <laughs> but not when I say that, it sounds like it's a little complicated, and it was a little complicated. But it was never, um, I mean, it was never like doing mathematical equations to solve the dice. Right. You know what I mean? It was, so we're not talking hero system here. Right. But it was but I always thought that and, and their source books were fantastic. The splat okay. books they did were wonderful. Um, they even did this box set that was uh, all about how to run a Starfleet Academy game. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's very, very uh, original. That sounds fun. Yeah. Well, Carrie, did you have one? Um I have another one that I've never played. Is but I own. <laughs> what is it? Well, I've already talked about the Ninja Turtles, right. so we're not gonna talk about that, but I have Elf Quest. Elf Quest. Elf have you Quest. have you read it? Is it good? I I paged through it. I haven't read the whole thing. Okay, but um, I have paged through it, and it's it's fun. <laughs> We're gonna have to do an extra podcast. It's us running sessions of games that we own that we have played. never played. <laughs> I have a ton of those. Okay. I, also, I also have All Flesh Must Not Be Eaten. That I, I hear it's really play. good. I have that, so we can play that <laughs> too. <laughs> so if anyone wants to come and run any of those games for us. Yeah, right. that's the important part is one of you have to run it because we're done with that. We're done. We're tired. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but give it, give, well, no, take but it a give break. A, yeah, give us a break. Let yeah. us have some time off. So Travis yeah. has said that he's always struggled with running superhero games because he's too attached to the material. Do you feel being too knowledgeable about the property hurts you? I, I do. Absolutely. Um, that's why, like, the superhero mush that I'm helping run, it's all original characters. So I can't be too attached. Like, it's, you know, I'm, there's one character who's called the Swarm, and he's a teacher, right? And he controls bugs. And if I kill him, I kill him. It's not, like, I'm not going to be disappointing someone other than one of his students, you know? Like, I think... Being too familiar with a system mostly hurts you when it creates addition wars. I because because oh, I'm sorry I'm sorry I misunderstood his question. No, no, I he's think. saying that too. I'm I'm just add, oh, adding. Oh, okay, adding. Like, I think okay. that I think that the whole reason addition wars happen is because people are too uh, knowledgeable about the material. You know, I mean, the the very first thing when people ask me, do you like do you like the BNS werewolf system? And my very first answer is always no, because it's not the werewolf that I know. That's right. I, I like, spent a decade memorizing that other one. Right. <laughs> so know? even if this one's better, I'll never be able to be emotionally attached to it in the same way. Right. Or it will be a much more, a greater struggle. Yeah. I'm going to say that one of my biggest problems when I was organizational storyteller for underground theater was that. Anytime you have a uh, signature character, which 
you have to bring out. People love them. They want I to see want them on to the field. interact with Theo Bell. Right. Everybody wants to meet these people. If they're not played in an exact fashion, what that person believes that it's supposed to be like, they're miserable. They 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 feel like it's ruined the game for them. And so it meant that uh, people who are more knowledgeable were frequently having less fun because any time that I either made a misstep or made a deliberate choice to step away from the perfect. Uh, version of this character or I, I or continued the story that has already story been laid out for that character or yeah. the people didn't understand something that had happened because they didn't see it and so they felt like the, the NPC was behaving differently than they should it was it was a constant problem yeah. and we get phone calls at home that's crazy but I felt like that part of the reason why you know not to brag I, I felt like I did okay and part of the reason why I did okay was because I'm not emotionally attached to vampire material Mm -hmm. just to the stories you can tell with it. How do you two feel about running games, whether it's LARP, Mush, or anything in between? TM, how do you feel about running uh, the actual published games meta plot and meta NPCs? I have to like it. If I like it, I'm I'm in. Uh, In fact, it's one of the things I struggle with with Dungeon World is that there's so little implied setting that you're essentially having to make it all up. And I know that's the whole point. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even with Dungeons & Dragons, you have some idea of what's supposed to be happening. And there's an implied setting there. Uh, the same thing with Vampire. Okay, I run in a city. I can know the sorts of plots that are supposed to happen because it implies them. Right. I found... <laughs> <laughs> Travis says you aren't as dreamy as he is, Jason, so you should stop playing. Oh. Uh- <laughs> so. Yes, you can also run any of the Powered by Apocalypse games in any setting you want. That's part of the flexibility of it. That's we're, Drew is saying that. We okay. were talking about uh, running the, the big NPCs. Yes. I think that there is fun to that. There absolutely like, is. Like, there's players, it, you know, like, there's a point where, you know, players want to interact with the bigwigs. Let them. I know, think like they're, they're, I don't know. I always remember. They love it, don't they? Yeah. I always remember this time in Werewolf where we cast King Albrecht with someone that you would have never expected to play King Albrecht. And yet when he showed up, he was perfect and it changed the entire event game's idea of what they thought the character was. And it was risky. Yeah. But it was such a huge reward. Everybody was so... Convinced that you had to have this tall. He was going to be John Hamm. Yeah, yeah, he had to be, and all that. And we cast um, Joel, right? As and Joel, and Joel is very tall. He's very tall, but he's a fireman. And so he's, he's like tough and grungy, not yeah, like yeah, noble. Like, and he's and a, he's yeah, a he's a beautiful. Guy. He's a bigger guy. He's got, and all that. He's got a belly. He's yeah. a you know. And he's, he walked in, and I mean, he was wearing a, a duster, like you know, he's supposed you know, like the costume, the coat. you know, fit and all that. But he walked in, and he had a cigarette in his hand, right? And he walked in and went sup, <laughs> and everyone went oh. Right, because the thing, the piece that everyone remembers about Albrecht is that he was, um, he was the king, right? right? And all but, of these amazing royal stories. But when you read anything about it, he's the people's king. He right. was the he's guy kind of a rebel, right? He walked yeah. in, he sat down at the bar, and he would go, sup? Yeah. Someone give me a beer. <laughs> you know, like, and, and it was great. Right. So, you know, it doesn't so, always have to be the way 
you know, like there's always a different interpretation of NPCs. You can embody what the books say they are, but still provide something fresh. Well, yes. I think you have to be adding something fresh or just read the book, you know? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise you're watching a movie. It has to be real and alive, and you're adding something. You should have something to say. Right. So other other games that are, are around here, uh, Carrie has about 30 Earth Dawn books. I love Earth Dawn. <laughs> you have played that, right? Yes, I have. Uh, That's, I think they're second edition. They're not the new ones. No, no. Oh, there's the new old, ones now? Yeah. Is there 5e uh, Earth Dawn, I wonder? Uh, I don't know. So we've got the ElfQuest box set. Uh, as Carrie said, we've mm-hmm. got uh, a bunch of the last Unicorn game Star Trek stuff. Uh, I actually think I have almost that entire line because uh, there wasn't that many books. We've also got, um, I don't remember who the publisher was that picked up Star Trek after last Unicorn Games, but oh, they like, only did six books, and I have all six of those. Uh, what else? What's down there by Earth, Dawn? I don't know. We've got a bunch of White Wolves. We've got like Farscape. All of the white- oh, Farscape. <laughs> Farscape. Yeah. All right. I saw okay, a bunch of we comments. We got a come couple up. comments here. Marty wants to say that the creeper is awesome. Well, thank you. The creeper is one of the NPCs I play in the River Valley Rage Unchained game that's going to be ending soon. That's right. And uh, Lynn Staff wanted to say that have y'all ever played something that made you feel creeped out? The oh. Street Fighter thing. <laughs> Street Fighter creeped me out. Street Fighter LARP. That's, okay. We got to get that off well, the ground. Well, Lynn, do you mean. Played as in played in a game or played in NPC? Because I played plenty of NPCs when I was done where I went, Ugh. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, as a, as a, a game runner, you've got to play, sometimes you've got to play creepy or unsettling bad guys. Sure. So your good guys, your players can defeat them. If they're only defeating people that are, you know, just kind of bad. What's, yeah, like, uh, you know. Right. No. Ashley Rayburn just, just reminded me, Decipher is who picked up Star Trek. Oh, oh that's what he was saying. Right. Okay. Drew, you need to come up and run Earth Dawn for us then, right? Oh, yeah. Drew, Drew says that he's uh, never gotten to play Earth Dawn. I like Earth Dawn because it is a balance between the Shadowrun kind of edgy, weird, and D&D. So you're saying it's real dark and edgy? No, it's not real dark energy. No, um, it. Uh, my my favorite thing though about Earth Dawn is that you're not questing for gold. Right. What you're, are you questing for? You're questing for. Um, it's fame and reputation. Fame. Lynn is asking about a player character where you were in. Oh, have you ever played a PC? Um, I. Yes, I have. Um, back when I first started playing. Vampire, I played a lot of Malkavians, and I kind of, ironically, to use this word, embraced the insanity a little bit where, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to get this in my mindset and, you know, all these things. And I once was given an, an or a PC Malkavian to play at a convention game who was suicidal. Ooh. And when it was all said and done, I was really depressed and really, like, uncomfortable. And, like, my, my roommate at the time was like, let's go get hot chocolate. <laughs> let's go do something a little bit happy. Have some candy, you know. And I was like, I just want to go lay down and sleep and, you know, curl up into a ball. And, and so, like, I think you have to be careful with unsettling characters like that, that you're in the right mindset when you play them. I was creeped out by Loopy. 
once <gasps> because she played this fantastic Malkavian yeah. character. Uh, like, she is LARP famous because of this character. And she once brought a baby carriage to game. Right. There was no baby in it. Only a few flip flecks of, like, it was probably red paint. But sure. it was made to look like it was blood. And she was caring for the baby carriage as if it still had the baby in it. Right. That was bothersome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in the good way. Did it ways, get to you? Did not, yeah, that, but that one, creep, that one definitely creeped me out. So, What about you guys? Have you guys ever uh, seen something either in a tabletop game, in a mush, or a LARP that, like, creeped you out on an out-of-character level? Travis wants to know why there's no DuckTales role-playing game, and to that I would just say, you need to write one, and it needs to be powered by the apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually an appropriate uh, (laughs) system for DuckTales game. Um, Uh, So other other games that are here in the room, uh, of course, we've got uh, World of Darkness stuff. Basically, a little bit of everything, right? Primarily Vampire, Werewolf, and uh, Changeling. Changeling, right. So I have all of the Wild West stuff because that is my favorite. I also have, oh, can I show off the weirdest Go. Wild West product yes. I have? So these are very rare. They're not worth nothing, you know, I mean, but but they're super nothing rare. Nothing we have is like, worth anything. So <laughs> like they, those uh, uh, tattoos? They published <laughs> yeah. a uh, Deadland. I'm going to show them to the camera. This is a Werewolf Wild West Deadlands crossover. And it's three little books uh, that Wizards of the Co- or White Wolf, sorry, White Wolf worked with Pinnacle Entertainment to create these little source books with an adventure, a three-part adventure in it, and it was a, a cross between Deadlands and uh, Werewolf the Wild West. It's so weird. That's yeah, like they fit together well. Yeah, they, they do. do. It's they appropriate do. crossover because they're sort of the same genre, very yes, similar. Sort yeah, of. right. Uh, yeah. Um, we've also got uh, some W20 books, uh, some Changeling 20 books, some New World of Darkness, which is now Chronicles, Chronicles. of Darkness. You know, I'm going to say the, the blue book, I believe people usually call it, the World of Darkness Humans book, uh, I thought it was brilliant. So good. Yeah, there are some mechanical things, I, you know, like just awkwardness. The, the things but, that were fixed with when they yes, revised their but system. But it was perfect. I love just running that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I... I liked running Vampire for World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness. I loved running Mortals for Chronicles of Darkness. Right, right. Um, we've got I've got some indie games over there. Uh, one called Belly of the Beast, where Is, you that's where you play survivors of an apocalypse after the apocalypse, where the world was eaten by a giant worm, and so you're <laughs> everybody in, lives in the worm. You're, you're inside the worm in okay. the belly, yeah. But the worm is like you know thousands of miles long, and so you're traversing through the worm, through the wreck, wreckage of the world, trying to survive. Uh, and that was super super cool. Uh, I've got the fate, a couple of fate books. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, we've How got kids on bikes. Kids on bikes. Yeah. Kids on bikes. I, we've been meaning to play that. That looks so good. It does look good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cameron wants to bring up. Okay, Lawhorn wants to bring up that there's no. Uh, that you don't have any mage. We we do have some mage, just not a lot. Okay. Um, you know, like it's. You, you can't. We could not afford to collect them all. That's right. And I definitely wasn't going to collect rape. So <laughs> right. Wraith is so good to read. Oh uh, yeah, but it's so good played, to read. It's so depressing. Yeah. Uh, Cameron's talking about the blood blessing that he had at Wild Lucing one year. Yeah, that was creepy. That I, was was that 
The one, the, the one that I went to t- as well? One of them, yeah. So I only went to one, I think. Why Loosing is this event game that the Guru Nation LARP organization has, mm-hmm. ev- has every year out in this park in the middle of nowhere uh, on the border of Wisconsin. and uh, Beautiful park. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, it, I mean, it's on the Mississippi River, and it is the middle of nowhere. And they have this great campground that's perfect mm-hmm. for having a parlor LARP at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it's got, like, this big fire pit and everything, and it was so cool. And they used to do these opening ceremonies where they did, like, blood blessings and stuff, and they were, they were all great. And the, I'll never forget the very first time, the very first year we had that g- event game there, uh, at during the opening ceremonies, all of the characters howled, right? Yeah. It was a werewolf oh, game. this was so good. And everybody howled, and then when the howl was done, they started to go back to role-playing, and then everybody stopped because the coyotes were howling back at us. <laughs> and that was, the, that, was a, no, that was a chill moment. Like, yeah, that's great, isn't every, it? Like, and everybody froze. Right. Like, cause it's like, we were excited, but also going... There's coyotes near? What do we do? Because like half of us were like city folk and we're like, what do we do? Right. Oh, Travis says his favorite LARP game was always the storyteller meeting at the LARP. <laughs> oh, oh no. There's certainly more drama and violence in that than there was in the plots Sometimes. most years. Somebody so. once told me if you want to really learn how to play uh, the vampire really well, join an org leadership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I've got uh, a bunch of different editions of Star Wars. I've got the D6 system from Weston Games. I've got uh, the new Fantasy Flight system. I've got uh, two different Wizards of the Coast versions. Um, the so- I noticed you've got Dark Ages. Have you played much of it? Uh, you know, we dabbled with it a little bit. The truth is, I'm not enough of a Middle Ages fan to run right. it. So, so you have somebody else has to be somebody running has it. to. Yeah, I played in a game that was it was imperfect, but I it has led me to believe that the best setting for vampire is either. Dark Ages, because it plays into everything from the the political to the street level side of vampire, or like early 90s, just straight street level vampire. One or the other. My favorite is probably Dark Ages. All right. Well, we've got a lot of comments. Let's. let's, I'm going to back up and read some comments. Uh, My favorite LARP game is the SD meeting at Wild Losing, is what we said. Yeah. (laughs) West End Games was my first. That's Lawhorn. I don't, you know, I don't think I've ever gotten around to playing. I'm sure I've played something, but... Lawhard brings up that uh, one of the first times we played together was at that Dark Ages game, and I had his character assassinated. Oh! Whoops! (laughs) And I was fairly new at the time, so I I have to admit I was a little, you know... Douchey? Douchey about it. Right. (laughs) And also... He fig- he was still pretty new too, and mm-hmm. so after the game, he's looking at his character sheet and he's like, "Oh shit! I had like ten things that could have stopped this from happening." Yeah, it, it was uh, it was a moment for most of us. Uh, <laughs> how do we like the new Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars system? I find the die system to be uh, frustrating, especially as a, as a storyteller. Uh, I don't. You know, Jason was teasing me about this earlier, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the the fact that there are so many different types of successes or failures in the game. Uh, I prefer, you know, mechanics are confusing enough, so I prefer them to be a little more straightforward. Well, um, and some of this is because I am a very creative storyteller. Like I never run adve- printed adventure modules sure. or anything. I always come up with my own stuff, and so <laughs> it's very difficult for me to have dice telling me what to do with my story. As opposed to telling me what to do with the situation. 
Well, I think part of the reason why this movement towards systems like that has come about lately is because so many games, like D&D in particular, uh, famously, has no fail mechanic. Like, you fail and just nothing happens. Right. And so people want to feel like things are happening no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so when you roll the dice, you're like, whoa, well, I, I failed, but I failed big. That's right. better than just failing. Right, Because yeah. something happens to you. Now, a really good uh, game master or storyteller is filling all that stuff in anyway. But uh, when you're first learning, well, that's I think it's fun and... either way. Yeah. But uh, great storytellers are going to fill in the details regardless of what the dice are rolling. But at the same time... I think that kind of system's fun, too. It gives me something to build on, because my strength is in improvising, not in writing something beforehand. Right. Right. Marty asked, what is the longest running... What is the longest game we've ever played in? What's the longest running game you've ever played in? Well, I'm going to say that it's this one. Cer- yeah, certainly. <laughs> I mean, if LARPs are hard... Uh, Five I mean, years LARPs is good run, run forever. But yeah. your... Uh, the, the LARP that was our VR before... It had run for like 10 years. Yeah, it had run a long time. Not quite 10, but yeah. yeah. It ran a long time. And the Exalted game that I ran with Marty and Lawhorn and some other people, it ran for four years, I guess, almost. Something something real close to that. And then we would break and play other things for a little while, but we ran for a long time. I played in uh, a few tabletop games that went a few years. Uh, It's hard to do that now. Yeah, I played a Star Wars game that ran a couple of years, uh, a a couple of Dungeons & Dragons games that went a couple of years. Uh, the big thing with the with, you know, that was truthfully it was a lot easier to do that when I was younger and yep. you literally played every Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, that was just what you did. Uh, there was one summer, I guess, me and Marty were laid off, and that's what we did that summer. We went over to this guy's house almost every day, and we played, and we played, and we played, and we played. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, Drew wants to know what version of Exalted that was, Jason. Uh, first edition, and then we were just moving to second edition when the game started to fold. Everybody started moving away and stuff. Yeah. I love second edition. A lot of people hate it, <laughs> but I, I really do like it. Though, I, I the thing I love about first edition is because of all the Exalted games, it's the one that I can hand to almost anybody, and they can understand it. Second edition is way more complex, and then third edition is like... Uh, 10,000 pages or something like literally it is gigantic it makes all these bns books and v20 books that we kind of laugh about how big they are look like nothing (laughs) it's huge so uh i've got a copy of urban shadows and i've got a copy of revolutionaries which uh that's the new one that that we've not had for very long um seventh c Seventh C. I've always heard great things about it. I've never gotten to play. I've only got to tabletop it. Or not tabletop it. You get the LARP I got the LARP at one time. That's a time that I'd accidentally promised to help at a LARP, and then y'all all all went and played Seventh C, and I wish I had. (laughs) We tried to tell you. It was too late. I already promised. We tried to tell you. That's what I get for being staff. Yeah. Uh Drew loves third edition, by the way, of Exalted. Go ahead. What else do you have? Oh, I was just going to say the last thing, uh, the last last book down there is, is something called Fantasy Age. Fantasy Age. I, I, it's an indie book at some point I picked up somewhere. That's I right. don't even know that I've ever opened it. <laughs> well, I'd be honest. Those, those, like those four books I bought the uh, a couple of weeks ago at McKay's on the way over to do the podcast. Yeah. Right. I finally read one of them last night. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, you know what? This I read uh, role-playing books mostly because I'm looking for interesting mechanics, mm-hmm. and I'm always disappointed when it's just like, uh, you know, attribute ability. I'm like, I've been playing that crap forever. <laughs> right. 
It's a it's a good system. That's why everybody uses it. But uh, I'm always disappointed when that's what they use. I know that um, earlier we had a question for you, Ryan. Uh-oh. How the gun belt's doing? I believe uh, Cameron asked it. And oh, I think Cameron. It. Oh, Cameron. Oh, Cameron. Cameron, mostly the gun belt's on hold until you're willing to run a play test for me with your group. <laughs> <laughs> Snap! Yeah. Uh, okay. No, you know what? The gun belt has kind of been on hold for the last couple of weeks while we crank through this Kickstarter with Carrie's, with the coloring book Carrie and I are working on. And so uh, that'll get picked back up here very shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, so far, while even though we are just on schedule we are on schedule the plan is to be kickstarting it sometime in the early spring so that the book can be out you know hopefully next summer um and that is that's the plan on it we're starting to shop around for uh yeah we're starting to shop around for for artists and things like that awesome uh, but otherwise yeah like like lawhorn just said it's all on you cameron why aren't, <laughs> why aren't you play testing this so, week, cameron? so for real cameron if you have a group you want to run for he needs people to That's play right. Test. In fact, That's you right. could come out next weekend to Cleveland Geekster and oh. run, play test it there for us. There you that go. That would be great, yeah. Ashley Rayburn would really like it if you did that. <laughs> Quick, do your Geekster plug. Well, for the, if you're in the the Cleveland, Chattanooga, even just southeastern Tennessee area. Mm-hmm. Next, or further and just want to travel. Just drive. That's right. Yeah. Saturday the 22nd is Cleveland Geekster at the Cleveland State Community College in Cleveland, Tennessee from 10 to 5 and it's this really big awesome toy comic book gaming memorabilia pop culture art show uh it's imagine you were at a a medium-sized convention and uh you went into the vendor hall. And that's it. We are just a vendor hall. And there's a few, there's a little bit of gaming in the back, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They run, there's an adventure, league, uh, D&D Adventurers League thing going on. You can pay a dollar an hour to go play Dungeons and Dragons back there. Uh, but it also costs. And you can also pl- play the gun belt with Cameron. Yeah, right. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it costs, it's just five bucks to get in the door. Kids 12 and under are free, but uh, it's, it's an awesome, awesome time. Ashley says, oh, I just meant, Arnold, do we get done with Geekster? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Marty's asking, have you ever had trouble costuming a character? Well, you both mean, great you mean, costuming. Did, was I ever frustrated because I'd gotten too fat to wear an old costume? <laughs> All the time. Well, okay. It's, it's an evolving problem, isn't it's it? It's a trouble. Yes. <laughs> Not being able to fit into the costumes you have is, is terribly frustrating. <laughs> um it, my biggest uh, trouble with costuming for a LARP is shoes. Oh, yeah, because, like, it's expensive to get... It's expensive. I have weird-sized feet. Yeah, they are uh, tiny. They are tiny, and, like and they're wide, so, like, I've got duck feet. <laughs> and, and so, like, I can never find shoes. Like, you know, when I say I'm in a six-and-a-half extra wide... Right. Like, that's... You don't find shoes like that. And, you know, that's like, like six-and-a-half in both directions, right? Uh, yeah, feels that way. <laughs> they're and, square. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> And, and and so it's like, uh, but when you find shoes for a character, you're done. It doesn't matter if anything else I, works. I wore shoes some so white patent leather shoes for a character one time that was a half size too small. Oh. And it was miserable. miserable. Yeah. No. That's I also true. think, though, that they were beautiful. Shoes are a great costume piece because if they if it changes how you walk, it changes how you play. That's true. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's really important. It's also one of those things that people notice that you took the time to get character shoes. Yeah, because, right. I mean, think about when you're out on Halloween. Sure. And you see people in these awesome costumes, and then they're wearing, ten- wearing tennis shoes. That's right. And, and you're just like, it ruins 
everything. <laughs> right. Though I do want to say there's a safety concern, uh, especially for like boffer larps. One of the things that people talk about now is everybody used to buy all these fancy boots that look super cool, but had no tread. But had zero tread, and so now there, there's a movement towards getting fancy boots that have sneaker tread on the bottom. Yeah. So it breaks the immersion a little bit. Yeah. But you don't fall down and break your head open. So there's <laughs> there's something to be said for it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think shoes are also the first thing people forget, or they're the first thing people uh, just acknowledge they're not going to do because they're expensive. Yeah. And so, but shoes, I think, are, are really important. If you're able to, shoes are the way to go. I yeah. always hit up Goodwill and thrift stores, and I, it's the only time I'll buy used shoes if it's for a character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Marty just said heels suck, and heels they do. do. Suck. Yeah. They do. That's why I always tend to go with chunky heels. Because, you know, that gives you more to walk on. I think my next character will be barefoot. Uh, my current that. character naked. is barefoot. Don't do that. I'm going to have those shorts that just say no. out of play on the no, front. No, no. Please don't. You should say it on the back, too. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, are these shorts. It <laughs> looks like uh, we are out of questions, and that's okay, because it looks like we are pretty much out of time. So, all right, so uh, I guess let's go ahead to and, and go to Game Wrap. Just right. want to quickly remind folks that you can find us on Facebook.com slash Podcast, or you can find us... Twitter? On Twitter, at Podcast, or you can find us... Anywhere you get podcasts. On iTunes, t- Stitcher, and all of that stuff. That's right. And on Patreon, at Patreon.com slash Podcast. That's right. If it exists, we're probably there as Podcast. And if we're not there, you should let us know that it exists so we can be on it. Yeah. Hey, and I want to remind everybody who came to us today... Go like the honor roll page, and that way you'll know when the podcasts come out and if we ever do any more live stuff. Yeah, That's and if right. you guys enjoyed this, let us know. We'll try yeah. to do a couple more of these. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and do uh, um, do experience points. So uh, Cameron, you get five points for showing up. Travis, you get five points for showing up. Uh, Marty, you get five points for showing up. Lynn, five points. Uh, Drew, ten points. <laughs> Sean, Ooh. your points went to Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, you get five points. Jason Lawhorn, five points. Everybody gets five points, uh, except for uh, Sean and and Jason. You, you hey, missed, <laughs> I think you missed somebody. So uh, did I miss somebody? Let's see. Who do we miss? Yeah, that oh, was the name that we didn't there was know. The, the, yeah, the, the, uh, Nate Brooks. You get five points. Yeah, I know Nate. He's yeah. uh, from okay. Seattle. And Bumpkiss, Bump, Bump. Bumped Kithrigus? What yeah. was that one? Five points. Five points? Yeah. Four points. I take him one away for having a name I can't pronounce. Uh. So anyway, but uh, thanks to everybody for, for joining us. It was really awesome. If you enjoyed this, you should uh, become a patron on patreon.com slash podcast. All right. Cool. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Now, join us next week when our topic is Funko Pops and why uh, all of your characters should be based on them. We should start. We should have a miniature war game that uses Funko Pops. Oh my gosh! Oh. Yeah, I Funko like Pops. It's like the new uh, X Wing three point That's gonna right. Be only played with Star Wars Funko Pops. Mm. Bob Ross would rule them all. I think people would love that. It's crazy. Yeah, they would. All right. Until next time. Remember, <laughs> the only way to win a LARP 
or a tabletop or a or mush. everything in between or anything in between. <laughs> the only way to win at a role playing game is to have fun. That's right. Bye. All right. All of the thoughts and opinions that were on this podcast belong to just those folks who were on this podcast and to nobody else. All of the music was courtesy of Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Uh-huh.